And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 48. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. This is Advent 3, week 2 of the sermon series. Correct. But also the second week you've talked about the Magnificat. It is. So Reverend Reed Meyer preached on it. Last week. Last so week. Their schedule a little different. Thinking tomorrow. of new questions. But it was good because your sermons were completely different. Okay, which one was better? Ooh, I should probably take this offline. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. JK, JK. Um, no, it was, um, it's, it, I mean, again, that's what I love about scripture is that two people can read it and mm. have two completely different, I don't know. Well, we had a long passage too, and I think I, yeah. she she said she focused on the first part of the passage and I yes. focused on the Magnificat, so. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So, speaking of that, so you... Um, Love Christmas, all things Christmas, more than anyone. Do you have Christmas socks on today? In fact, I do. Okay. This is a got my ornament socks. Okay. On today. A week or so ago, you wore like some fall leaves instead of Christmas ones, uh, and it really threw me off. Yeah, I, want, I think maybe I all of them was, were dirty or something. Um, so you love Christmas, but I didn't know if there were. I don't know if I've asked you. Is there a particular part of the whole like birth narrative, all of this, that is like your favorite? Well, a whole bunch of it makes me tear up every time I read it. Oh, yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. You get choked up a lot during this. I do. Yeah. I do. Because the theology is so good. Uh, but probably, you know, the Christmas Eve reading. I mean, I'll, so some churches, and this is shocking, also liturgically incorrect. Okay. Not, not every church reads <laughs> all of the uh, narrative. Do you know that? I mean, some of them stick uh, like stick to just the birth portion or whatever. Yeah. Um, really, you're supposed to read all the way through... Um, Verse 20, Luke 2, 1 to 20. And usually by the time I get to the part, well, since, since I became a dad, the part about her delivering her child, her firstborn son wrapped him, like mm-hmm. that all gets me choked up because it yeah. reminds me of being a dad. And then um, the the angel's proclamation, do not be afraid for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people to you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. Like there's... Uh, just rhetorically, that's so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that you, and I've read that, up, I don't even know how many times, right. but a bunch of times. And then I think the one we're preaching next week, the Benedictus. Okay. Zechariah's song mm-hmm. to his son. That, you know, that always chokes me up for obvious reasons. How about you? Um, I mean, I really like the Magnificat. I love her, Mary's response. It's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie actually already decided that next year's sermon series for Christmas should be Cast Down the Mighty. We're just going to take a portion of that. <laughs> where, uh, where are you going to preach that? <laughs> <laughs> next week, next week, next year is Matthew. <laughs> All right, fine. We thought like, let's just get this taken care of. Um, it's funny because we're, tomorrow we're going over the calendar for 2022. I know. Well, I'll make some additions. It's fine. Don't worry. I'll just, you know, hope it's all in pencil. Um, no, but I, I think this part is pretty powerful. I think just because, and we talked about this, I think. 
I, well, at least I did with Stephanie. But, you know, women don't always get like a long, they don't speak a lot right. in general through the whole Bible. Right. And so it's a pretty significant chunk of hearing. And yeah. so I think that's one reason that I'm like, yeah, girl, say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And it's just this confidence. It's this voice that is very different than a lot of the females that you do hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is probably one of my favorite parts, I think, of the whole. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah. And it's been, you know, the fodder for a lot of really terrific art and sacred music. You know, Jason mentioned that yesterday uh, with the anthem that we did. It's just really powerful. And there's a lot of ways you can go with it. I mean, the reading was from verse uh, 39 through 56. There's a lot there. Yeah. There's the, the visitation to Elizabeth, like the their interaction at first, their greeting, what Elizabeth says to Mary, which is, you know, becomes part of the Hail Mary, which is one of the most famous prayers in Catholicism. Yeah. And then there's her song, which is actually kind of divided into two parts. I mean, first she talks about herself a little bit, and then she talks about what God's going to do. I mean, mm-hmm. There's just a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. So let's talk about um, – so I love the way how you talked about the two pregnancies, how one pregnancy signified the end of an era and the other the beginning of an yeah, era. And I that, never had looked at it that way. Yeah. And so – um, talk about that and then talk about the pregnancies, how they're both unplanned, but yet had things in common and yet were different. So. Yeah, it really is. So I, I read, um, an allusion to a line kind of like that in one of the commentaries when I was getting ready last week. And I had, I had never really thought of it that way either. But then when you, the, the image that I chose was from, um, what was that guy's name? 15th century artist. Oh, that's, um, no, I don't know. If I would you don't have whipped, know no. <laughs> you don't have it on oh. your wall? No, I don't. In your dining room? Oh, Vander Waden? Or Vander Vaden? You know anything about art, Ashley? Vander. We, uh, we. W-E-Y-D-E-N. Vander Waden? Vaden? I did God. take an art history class at 8 a.m. <laughs> okay. So you remember So everything. you remember all these I Dutch. remember so much. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Not well, that guy, though. The, okay. So there's, in the iconography of this what's called the visitation to Elizabeth. Well, there's a church dedicated to it in the Holy land, which uh-huh. I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And then, um, in the iconography, when they depict the two, you can't really tell them apart. Like the, the faces are not distinct by age. So the image that I chose makes them very distinct. You can tell yeah. who's who. Um, and it's as the prophet of the old era. And, you know, if you think of Jesus in some ways as a prophet, as a prophet of the new era. Yeah. And I think you've got a question about Mary being a prophet. Too. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, just the whole scene is so poignant, you know? Uh-huh. And and these are both very faithful women through whom specifically Luke tells us the Holy spirit is speaking, mm-hmm. which is not common as you, the point you're making earlier, uh, in scripture. So uh, it's, I just, I love this kind of turning point moment with these two women who, uh, have this, have a similar experience at very different stages of their lives, both of which are God anointed, mm-hmm. God blessed, God done, yeah. right? In some ways, I mean, specifically in Mary's case, correct. Um, and I just think it, I, I just think it's a, a really, a really cool, uh, idea that the end of the one era marks the beginning of another, but there's still plenty of continuity between the two, mm-hmm. right? That God doesn't abandon God's old interests <laughs> in right. any way. Yeah. And the notion that, that Mary raises her child to know that. 
Yeah. I mean, we listen. I'm going to show my my Catholic underwear here. That's the way Billy Billy Abraham. That's a Billy Abraham Billy, reference. Okay. Billy, yeah. Billy Abraham always used to say, "I'm the, showing my theological underwear." That made me laugh every time. God <laughs> God rest his soul. Billy recently died. Yeah. I think I've talked about him somewhere. Um, Mary does not get enough credit. Yeah. I mean, yes, it, he, Jesus is God incarnate, but he's fully human and fully divine. And the fully human part means he was raised by two parents. And that means his mama had a big influence on him. Yeah. And she clearly raised him right <laughs> yeah. because he cares about the same thing that her tradition cared about. I mean, to the extent that it's the lead sermon in his whole ministry in Luke 4. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that later in the year. You know, the, also, I'm going to show my bias here. I love the, the gospel of Luke. In my gospel power rankings, it's a solid number two behind the yeah. gospel of John. And so this coming year, which is where we just started the new liturgical year, then we're going to spend a lot of time in Luke because there's so much in here that's just really core to what we believe. Certainly the Methodist expression of the Christian faith and um, these stories in Luke that are unique to Luke, including all this stuff here in chapter one, only in Luke, um, is just incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, just the the concept of them kind of almost like a baton handing off between mm-hmm. John the Baptist and Jesus, and and knowing that Jesus, yeah, you know, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill, you know, yep. like there's that just that connection of like them carrying on. I don't know. I just never thought about the different eras, but they why it is a new era is still deeply rooted mm-hmm. in what was before. And these three songs that were talking about in these three weeks that are from Luke one, one is, I mean, I guess the Annunciation is not technically a song, but that's a very famous scene. Yeah. Then Mary's song and then Zechariah's song or canticle or whatever. Yeah. Um, all kind of summarize that, that theology mm-hmm. and how, yeah, the new is new, but it's not an, it's not a complete abandonment of the old. Yeah. Do you think that, um, so Elizabeth, you know, when she encounters Mary, you know, John the Baptist in her womb leaps. Do you think Elizabeth was... <laughs> Can I just say, it's very hard. I have to intentionally say, there's a little verse in here. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit. So in, in the Hail Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Okay. But um, that's... The Hail Mary. Okay. I, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've prayed that as a kid growing up. Um, <laughs> but in the NRSV, it's fruit of your womb. And I very often am afraid that I'm going to say fruit of the loom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hope you say that sometime. I would die. Also, womb is a funny word. It is. And I feel like Elmer Fudd every time, every time I say it. Yeah. In the womb, you're like, yeah. In the womb where it happened. <laughs> I want to be in the womb in the where womb. it happened. The womb where it happened. The womb where Look, it happened. I think this is a good sermon series title for next Christmas. The womb where it happened. The womb where it happened. <laughs> Done. I'm going to start the artwork oh my right goodness. now. I'll write it down. Either the sanctuary would be full or empty, one of the two. <laughs> it would, it could, that could go one of two ways. <laughs> oh, that'd be so awesome. Anyway, I totally sidetracked. Yeah, that's fine. No, that Elizabeth has this obviously this very real reaction. Do you think she kind of was the first to like really confirm it for mm. Mary? Mm. I mean, not that Mary didn't believe the angel, but I'm sure she was mm. tr- probably walking around a little like, okay, if I could just have like one more sign. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I 
I mean, that's a terrific question. And the when we like when you just read the chapter start to finish, the Holy Spirit shows up at the very beginning. The Holy Spirit's all the way through. Holy Spirit's yeah. all the way through Luke and Acts. It's mm-hmm. very real player. What I love about it, though, and the reason that uh, Luke gets a lot of props from feminist theologians in particular is because it's very clear that the Holy Spirit does not discriminate mm-hmm. between men and women, yeah. right? I mean, uh, all of humanity is perfectly capable of being a prophet of the Lord. And clearly Mary plays that role in the Magnificat. Mm-hmm. But um, but Elizabeth is, pro- is it doesn't get enough props either, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So you would you think that Mary would be in the camp of a prophet? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> uh, did you listen to last week's podcast? Uh-uh. Stuff? Like, um, I could not get that out of my head uh-huh. that I had never thought of Mary as a prophet mm. because she's obviously got all these other titles and and now I'm like that has completely changed how I view huh. Mary. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's been messing with me the last week. Huh. <laughs> well, I mean. I mean, I would say Jesus comes by it naturally. Yeah. We don't know much about Joseph. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Joseph was faithful as well. Mm-hmm. But Joseph was of his uh, like adopted father. Like a, yeah. I don't know exactly. The title's a little tricky with Joseph. Yeah, it is. I liked, I liked in your sermon at the 11 o'clock, you're like, so Elizabeth and Mary are cousins, which makes John, the, you know, their cousins are cousins first removed. <laughs> I was like, I know family trees are weird. Like, how does that work? I don't know. And Whitney's really good at it. My wife, Whitney. Yeah. So she, like, she knows second cousins once removed. And I all don't that get kind of that. I, I, don't, I can't either. It's I so confusing. Second anyway. cousins. <laughs> Ashley probably knows. She's a country girl. Yeah, you're country. Mm-hmm. Everyone's related. Who can marry who? <laughs> yeah, you got And what wine? You got to watch out. <laughs> <laughs> got to watch out. <laughs> you, you, you have to have very clear <laughs> delineation. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> there it is. Um, we kind of already talked about this, but I'm going to quote your sermon because I know you love when I quote your sermon, so it's great. No. Uh, but you said, but what Mary makes clear in her song is that, is that what God cared about in the old era, God will continue to care about in the new era. God will indeed do a new thing in Christ, but his ministry will be rooted in the tradition in which he will grow up. Mm. That's good. Yeah, thanks. I don't know. I think... Because I think a lot of Christians say a lot of things, oh, may not even spend like hardly any time in the Old Testament. Mm. Like, well, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Mm. I mean, this is a clear point of like, no, like it, it all matters. <laughs> right. Well, that was Jesus' Bible. Yeah. <laughs> like when he talked about the Bible, that's yeah. what he was talking he about. He wasn't like, you know, in Luke, because it hadn't been written yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So I don't know. I just, I think that's such a good point that he was... Of course, he was Jewish, so, but he, a very devoted. Mm, <laughs> he was, yeah, just steeped in that. And so if we're not continually looking back at what was before, I mean, that greatly influences and enriches our experience of how we live. And so, I don't know, that was just... Yeah, and that's why I try to talk as much as I can when I'm talking about the tradition, this tradition broadly. I talk about either our salvation history, which begins with Abraham, yeah. or the Judeo-Christian tradition, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because it's uh, it's pretty hard to – well, it's impossible to understand Christianity without understanding our Jewish roots. And while certainly we believe that that God did something different in Jesus and something new in Jesus, um, you know, Paul is very clear mm-hmm. that the old promises don't go away. Yeah. And – um, while our faith in Christ is the most important thing, what our faith in Christ empowers us to do is 
to follow the the will of God, which is to love God and love neighbor, which is, <laughs> I mean, that's a, those are direct citations of the Old Testament. Yes. So is there a particular line of the Magnificat that really gets you, hmm. one that really challenges you? Ah, okay. I, I should look that up. You mean challenges or, me, are you saying like, it like touches me? Yeah, like whatever challenges you or like, oh, that, I don't know. Is there anything there? Like, well, oh. hmm. The the stuff that's really touching and moving for me is the Benedictus, which we're getting to next week. Okay. Um, I find this, you know the so the communion the communion liturgy for Advent is basically a, a citation of the Magnificat. Okay. And you know we live in an affluent part of an affluent country, mm-hmm. and so um, you know <laughs> he so he has shown strength with his arm. I'm in verse fifty one. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Okay, that's fine. You know, you should you should be humble. That's no worries. Yeah. He's brought down the powerful from their thrones. This is all past tense, by the way. Uh-huh. So it's past tense and it's forward looking. So I'm like, mm, okay. He's getting to meddling. She's getting to meddling a little bit. Oh, I haven't used that term in a long time. Meddling. Okay. <laughs> and lifted up the lowly. Okay, that's fine. I'm uh-huh. all right with that. He has filled the hungry with good things. Awesome. We're all about that, right? Yeah. The next line, though, is a real kick in the behind. Yeah. And sent the rich away empty. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's that's stepping on toes now. Okay. Um, because while I don't I don't drive a Maserati by any kind of mm-hmm. global measure, I'm, I've got it pretty good. And then he gets she gets to he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Then we're back to the good stuff, uh-huh. <laughs> but. But that line about, I mean, that's a direct, like what this theme of reversal that, that shows up first in the Magnificat, uh, if we, <laughs> if we carry it to its logical conclusion, yeah. should challenge everybody who's in a position of power mm-hmm. and privilege. I know that's privilege is a loaded word these days, but, yeah. um, it like, you know, my, so one of my spiritual heroes is St. Francis of Assisi and, uh, he, th- there's a, there's a stri- uh, kind of a. Oh, what's the word? An expression of Christian theology that talks about the preferential option for the poor. And um, in theory, that's good. Just like in theory, being peace-loving is good. Yeah. <laughs> but the, but that's tricky also. Because if, if God has a preferential op- option for the poor, then what about, what about those of us with means? So then what does that mean for us? Um, does God love us less? Mm-hmm. And I, I try to make the point, clearly not. I mean, yes. we don't believe that. But we do believe that if God has this special concern and care and love for the poor, then that means that those of us who have the the power to do the same mm-hmm. should do the same. Yeah. And I felt like it was, um, you know, like I love Christmas. I'm like Buddy the Elf with Christmas, right? I've noticed. So, <laughs> so I <laughs> – Social justice stuff is so much a part of the Advent story, mm-hmm. the Advent narrative. Um, but I don't want to talk about it during Advent. I don't want to talk about it during Christmas. Like, I, I just feel like, um, you know, we're, there's a certain ethos that I think comes with the season that is challenged by these more prophetic texts. His mother was a prophet. He was a prophet. Uh, Gospel of Luke is very prophetic. Mm-hmm which is where the birth narrative is. So it's, it's not really fair to the text to overlook that, but the way that you couch it is important. I think 
So anyway, the stuff with the pajamas, pajamas, pajamas. I, I said pajamas. Yeah. And <laughs> the tamales. Yeah. Was like okay, like we take seriously this this caring for and caring yeah. about those who are in a less powerful position. Yeah. So let's start with that. And then remind ourselves that uh, that's kind of the expectation. So let's keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read a portion of your sermon, and then I'm going to kind of go off of what you just said. Mm. Maybe this is my own, like, crisis. Mm. (laughs) So you say, the very incarnation of God's Son is a revolutionary living embodiment of God siding with the powerless. Right, isn't it? I mean, that's so true. Because God chose to enter into the human condition through a young unmarried girl and a marginalized religious minority at the very far edges of an empire that was utterly indifferent to her very existence. Dang. Right. Okay. So this is really good. So I was thinking. I was on a roll when I wrote You that. were. I could tell. I was like, oh, he is. He's in his groove. Um, and, and you address this at the end. And so it's not like you left us hanging. Mm. But when I hear that God sides with the powerless, you know, and I know in my head that Christ came for all people, that God loves all people. But when I hear that, mm. I'm like, oh, Christ didn't come for, <laughs> like, because I feel so privileged. Mm. I feel like I have power that I feel like I'm on the wrong side. I don't know. I've... Do you ever, do you have ever that crisis of thinking? So I am uh, so thoroughly convinced of God's grace I, that I don't actually that's not a crisis for me. Okay. But I, to me, it's about caring about the same things God cares about. Okay. And as long as, as long as we're there and that shows up different ways at different times for us. Right. So if we, if we teach our kids that they should be generous, if we teach, if we, um, do mission trips, if we speak out when we need to be speaking out about whatever the topic is, uh, to the extent that we care about what God cares about, then I think we're in good shape. Okay. I can't change that I was born a white dude in America, yeah. nor would I want to change that. Like, I'm very happy with my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I need to acknowledge that that comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for, for me, it shows up with uh, these days, and I'm sure it's the same for you how you raise your kids, like mm-hmm. what you, how you raise your kids to care about the right things. And so when it comes to issues of race, when it comes to issues of interreligious dialogue, we live in a very diverse area. Like Max and I were having a conversation on, this morning on the way to school when I was dropping him off where he talked about how, uh, it kind of stinks that his Hindu friends don't get Diwali off. Mm. He's like, why don't we just take December off for all the holidays and go to school a little bit more the rest of the year? He said, I would hate to go to school on Christmas day. Yeah. I was like, hmm. well, geez. I mean, that's the advantage of growing up in a diverse community yeah. that he, he can be sensitive to that kind of thing without, I mean, he's not apologizing for, <laughs> for being Christian. He's not unhappy about it in any way. Like we're all, all in as you might imagine, but it's causing him to ask some empathetic questions. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. And we, and he's being raised in a religious tradition that is sensitive to the needs of others. Like what other, what other people, um, just other people in general in a lot of different ways. And so I, to me, that's what, what it's about. Um, so I, <laughs> it gives me pause every time I read one of these texts, you know, we're, so we're, one of the things we're, um, I think we're, I think it's in Lent again, cause I just planned 2022. 
uh, we're talking about the Sermon on the Plain, which is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Anybody can be poor in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> in Luke, he says, blessed are the poor. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Period. <laughs> yep. Um, and so, you know, Luke's, uh, I've, I've talked elsewhere about the Sermon on the Mount is the most challenging teaching of Jesus to me, period. Um, but the Sermon on the Plain is all, is pretty is pretty challenging as well. That that dang Jesus, no matter who's <laughs> what evangelist is interpreting him, is you know is is challenging all to all of us. But um, it's about to me caring about what God cares about. Yeah. Okay. And I get that, and I know that in my heart. But just I have every once in a while I have those moments, and I think the whole. Christmas story of Jesus coming and all of that. I just think, Oh, I feel like I'm Rome. <laughs> you know, I just feel a little bit like, yeah, I get that for sure. So I get that for sure. I don't know. But obviously I know that God does not have favorites. Christ did not just come for one particular person, but it's, you know, you just, which maybe is good for me to be aware to check myself. So I think that's, yeah. but every once in a while I'm like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> so maybe that's just Holy Spirit saying, hey, maybe you're getting a little off the path or whatever. Um, you kind of mentioned this already that Mary being a prophet, I mean, she taught her son to never forget the powerless and got me thinking that maybe we forget the humanness of God mm. and how Mary still had to like, or the humanness of, of Jesus, you know, and how Mary still had to like teach him things, <laughs> even though he was God. Yeah, he had a mama like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, that's really powerful theology. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was a little knucklehead from time to time, too. Yeah, and that she's like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you don't think of it like that. Right. Like, Jesus, he parented Mary. You know, he taught her. And I was like, no, Mary. No. Mary still had to teach him things. Fully human, fully divine. That is part of the glory of our theology. Yeah. So clearly, she was a big part of uh, of what he cared about, what he taught, how he lived. Uh-huh. So what does that kind of encourage us to do as like we, as if we're raising our own children or just being part of the church, what does that pr- kind of encourage us to, to do? Do you think? I mean, I think, so I think Mary is, a, is an incredible role model in lots of different ways. And I, <laughs> um, it's so clear that she raised her son in the religious tradition that was most meaningful to her. Mm-hmm. Now you can look at that a different way that God would not have been born into a community that was not mm-hmm. of God. Okay. Sure. For sure. But then there was, there was still like he, he still had hu- very human relationships from, from his birth through his crucifixion. And, um, it's just, I, I don't know. I said this in the benediction yesterday. It's the theology of the incarnation. It is all about the theology of the incarnation and, um, Advent in general and Christmas. It's all amazing because of that theology and all the trappings that we put around it. Like we put up our second Christmas tree last night, by the way, okay. up in the game room. Okay. Funny story. Our game room was arranged a certain way. We bought furniture for it and everything uh-huh. else. But when we moved it in the house, it's big. It's built over the grill, like a bonus room or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> When he came to me in the middle of the year and said, I want to flip it. I want to 
right, totally. I'm gonna put the TV on the other side. I want the to, and it was, it was a fair amount of work. Yeah. And I was grumbling about that. And she said, "Well, but if we do that, we can put another Christmas tree up there." I said, "Oh, you're well. like, I'm all in. Let's do it yeah, right now." <laughs> so we did. And so yes, last night we put it up. It was the payoff for our, um, for the work that we did there. Okay. There, and we have lots of. Like all, one of my point is about the trappings of Christmas. Like all the all the stuff we build around yeah. the holiday uh, is j- are just extra ways of celebrating the holiday, which at its core is this world changing theology. And in my opinion, there's nothing that we can do that is over the top to celebrate the genius of that theology. <laughs> so sing Christmas carols all year long, like <laughs> it, because it's not about Santa Claus. As much as I love Santa Claus, yeah, it's about God becoming one of us. What, but and in becoming one of us, He had a mama who took him to church or the synagogue, yeah. or the temple, or whatever, and taught him how to live and, and, and according to the way she understood God. And then at some point, he he took on, he realized who he was. Yeah, right. I mean, depending on how who tells the story and how you interpret the theology, and certainly did his own thing after a while. Mm-hmm. But that all those formative years are so evident. And and the way he lived his ministry, uh, that I think, like Mary, should be a role model for us all. Yeah. To bring it back to Mary. Yeah, and it it kind of encourages me. It reminds me because I'm sure you talk a lot to people that said, you know, I raised my kids in the church, and now they they don't go to church mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't always come back around, but I think it it still matters what we teach them, that it it will still bubble up in them when yeah. they're an adult and so oh, yeah. like what we do it leaves teach, a mark one way or the other yeah and so just encouraging <laughs> which, like which by the way is why you should bring him to the right church because they're gonna leave a mark one yes way leave a mark other. um it, it just reminds me like i mean obviously jesus went on to he was god but like she instilled in things in him and that were just part of mm-hmm. who he was and like we're called to do the same right <laughs> and even if you don't have your own children that means you know Investing in children's ministry, volunteering, or, mm-hmm. or with youth, and and just investing in them. Cause Yesterday, we had this amazing children's musical. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. We did. My daughter had some hot sports opinions about it, though. Oh, I'm so curious. She's jealous because she wasn't in one <laughs> like that. Well, one, she leaned over me like a song, too. She's like, when are they, they going to talk about God? Oh, it's getting there. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, of course the pastor's kids like raise her right. And then she kept asking, like, are they going to – and then on the way back, because she's in Scott's church, uh-huh. you know, my husband's mm-hmm. – and she's like – That little neighborhood church down little neighborhood. And she's like, ours has a lot more God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. That's funny. Throwing shots. And then when I spent her to bed last night, I was reading a story, and there was lyrics from God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And she's like, oh, I know this song. And I go, do you know that's Pastor Chris's, like, favorite song? She's like, is he going to come hear me sing it next week? And I go, well, he's preaching. She goes, oh, man. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> so I love that. So next but next Advent, she's here. Is that the yes. way this is going to yes, work? Yes, okay. next year. So, but it was so cute. It was the musical. Yeah. And there were lots of people here who did not have children in the program. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is to your point about, how, you know, we like it doesn't matter whether you have children in your life or not. Mm-hmm. Like we've yeah. all got a role to play in yeah. helping raise them. Yeah. Properly. Yeah, I was so happy people came and watched. It was such a good show. It was the great. Kids loved having everybody there, yeah. laughing at all the jokes that they yeah. were working on and everything. It was great. It was so good. It was great. It was so good. I mean, I do have pointers for you. So, but mm. we can talk about that later, though. 
as a theater major, but it's fine. We could talk about it later. Along with your um, <laughs> suggestions for next year's Advent service yes. series. Same, same. No. <laughs> um, no, but it was great. And so, yeah, coming out and supporting, I mean, it does matter when kids say, like, oh, these, they don't have to be here right. and they're still coming. Mm-hmm. It's, it makes an impact for sure. Exactly right. Okay. Um, got a couple more things. You close your sermon by talking about the Christmas Carol, and you said you read that every year. You, you, please tell me you've read it. I don't know if I've actually read it. Have you read it? Like I'm talking the original? Ashley. Yes, the original. Of course, the original. Is it in English? Oh, you can't. <laughs> I'm, teasing, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You've read it, right? Yes, I've read it. Okay. It's really good. Everyone should read. If you've never... Every, first of all, everyone should read Dickens. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if you only read one Dickens, Christmas Carol is very accessible. And it does kind of distill a lot of what he thought and taught. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I do read it every year. It's not that long. Yeah, it's like um, it's like re- it's like watching a Christmas movie every year. You okay. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how, so, how many years have you done this? Like too many to count. Um, excuse me, how old do you think I am? I'm kidding. Fifty-one. Uh, insert yeah, 51. insert age joke. Yeah, uh, probably uh, probably twenty. Probably twenty okay. years. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, and I, I just I just I don't know why. Uh, so I think somebody gave me a copy of it, like a little paperback copy. Oh, okay. And uh, it was when I was already working in the church, and um, I, I did I read it kind of accidentally. So like I was I was not feeling great as a youth minister when this time of year you're almost always sick because you're around a lot of germs and the and the pace of the schedule is crazy. And I was already in seminary at the time. So I had to go to the doctor and I knew it was going to take forever because I yeah. had like bronchitis. So I went to urgent care or whatever. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be like a four-hour ordeal. <laughs> and so I so I brought it with me and I finished like three-quarters of it while yeah. I was waiting for the doctor. I'm like, whoa, this is <laughs> amazing. Like, of course, we all know the story. Yeah. But it is brilliantly written. Okay. Highly it, recommend it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll, I can, I'm a fast reader, so I can I'll it, check it out. It, yes. It will not take you hardly any time at all. Okay. It's like five chapters. Okay. Um, can you share the quote that you read in your, your sermon? And yes. Do, and do you have a favorite version of the movie? So, you know, it's funny. We, when I was at Arapaho, mm-hmm. this church Scott serves, um, we had a theater for many years called the Labyrinth Theater. And okay. actually some members of Christ United were supporters of that theater. Um, and they did Christmas, the Christmas Carol once and they did it. It was, I think it was essentially the, like the narrator would do the part of the narrator in the book. And okay. It was pretty close. Um, I rewatched this year uh, the Jim Carrey one. That tell okay. us, we already talked about this. Mm-hmm. Not good. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he did one. Jim Carrey. It's but it's that uh, Polar Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah animation. It, it's, it's Disney. Hollow Valley. It's too close to real. It's yeah. hard to watch. It's okay. it's really hard to watch. Uh, and, and, and the guy who plays, um, Colin Firth plays mm-hmm. the nephew mm-hmm. and Colin Firth is amazing, Yeah. but oh my God, it was creepy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, my favorite version is probably a Muppet Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. absolutely. For right. sure. Yeah. That is, I mean, Michael Caine. I'd be so disappointed if you didn't say that. I was like, that I mean, is it's so, point. it's so, so good. Yeah. That's it came out, uh, the year I graduated from college. So I, I only watched it like recently for the first time. Really? I, it was just not on my radar at all because yeah. I already had my own. Um, I can't watch the Disney animated one. It's too sad. For some reason, yeah. Mickey being sad, I can't handle it. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. You're you talking about that. Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah. I can't. It makes me too sad. For, I don't know why. Muppets. It's only 28 minutes long, too. Oh. And it's a little over the top. Oh, so sad. Yeah, but Michael Caine. 
The Muppet. Yeah. He's so good. Mm-hmm. So um, this is one of those extended – it was an extended quote. So this is – so in the in – the, so the book opens up I – and mean, the whole thing takes place on Christmas Eve. And then the payoff is Christmas Day, of mm-hmm. course. And that day, uh, Scrooge's nephew comes to invite him to Christmas dinner and he kicks him out. And this is the very, that's the first time he says bah humbug. It's actually the only time in the book where he says bah humbug, uh, which is all that he's known for saying right. for a lot of people. Um, but he says, the nephew, before he leaves, says, I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time, a kind, forgiving charitable pleasant time the only time i know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut up hearts freely and to think of people below them and this is why i use that quote because this the theme of reversal from luke so anybody who would be kind of below you in terms of power or status or whatever uh, to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave we're all in this together yeah and not another race, race of creatures bound on other journeys. Like we're all, we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. And it's the one time a year where we can sometimes get, where we can sometimes think that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that was, it. That was a great quote. It's so, so good. Yeah. Scrooge's nephew is awesome. And every time I read, every time, it's a good reminder for me when I reread it because um, I wish I had that kind of optimism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's just, especially with family members who make me crazy. <laughs> yeah. He, like he just does, he will not give up on his uncle. Mm-hmm. Won't give up on him. Yeah. His wife's like, just, he's a, he's a jerk. Forget yeah. him. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep inviting him. He's my uncle. Yeah. Hmm. And he's like the original crazy uncle. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. The original. <laughs> um, okay. We mentioned this, that this entire story gets you choked up. Mm-hmm. But as you were writing this week's sermon, because there were some parts in it that I was like, oh, this is really good. That, that really like. You felt like the Holy Spirit was trying to teach you. Is there any particular line um, or part of it that you feel like, oh, I needed to hear that? Are you talking about for the Magnificat? Um, or just or just your sermon in general. Any like particular line there like, oh, that was God speaking to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had the, an original – an original. it's interesting. This is, is – I have a feeling this is not an answer you would expect from me. Okay. But in the original draft, I had a whole paragraph in there. That was pretty social justice Okay. And I like to work that in. Mm-hmm. Like I would specifically name. I specifically named um, people who were on the margins. And I wrestled with that. And I ran it by Whitney like I always do. And she's like, oh, you're going to go there, huh? <laughs> and I thought, well, do I want to go there? And I decided not to. I decided to take it out. And and I mean, I still made the, I made the same point. I just made it in a softer way. Because yeah. I talked about um, – God loves you no matter your bank account. I mean, we all know that. Mm-hmm. No matter your immigration status, kind of with the tie into Christ Foundry. Yeah. No matter who you love. I mean, I like to kind of come back to our ongoing yeah. conversation around LGBTQ inclusion. But I thought, man, I maybe not this time. Maybe not this time. Maybe this time I'll do. I'll I'll, I'll be more general about it. I think we all. I mean, anyone who's heard me preach for longer than six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> knows my heart on those things. I decided to taper off on that. I really felt like that was, I mean, I, I think the Holy spirit works that way too. I think a lot of preachers assume that, um, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll check this out with you. I, my impression is that we typically assume God's wanting us to be more confrontational than we often are. Like, mm-hmm. I, th- I think, I think we often think of ourselves as avoiding tough issues and that 
it's only when we don't avoid tough issues that we really are convicted by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I know I can <laughs> – I've got like 15 people in my mind right now who think like that and talk like that. I mean it would make that point. And I think sometimes it can work the other way. I think sometimes that in order for um, – continue to be in conversation even about stuff we disagree, mm-hmm. that sometimes you have to maybe back off a little bit. And so um, – but then, of course – Every time I read that line, or in addition, every time I read that line about sending the rich away empty, I think, oh, man, I know that's what it says. Mm-hmm. And I know the point that's, <laughs> that Mary's making there. Do I really believe that? Okay. I, I'd call that a troubling passage. <laughs> that is a troubling passage. Troubling passage. It, it, didn't, it didn't make our uh, list <laughs> since we just preached on it. We're doing trolling passages in January. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> so, okay, I'm just I I'm sure you're like this sometimes when you're writing um, a sermon and, and the Holy Spirit brings something to you, like you think about it for weeks after a line, and it's not that you're like I'm thinking about what I wrote. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like not the way it is. you're like, oh, I needed to hear that. Most of my sermons, there's a big portion that's usually written just for me, for myself. <laughs> you know, like right. you Preaching need to, to hear. Yourself. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I was just curious if you had that, if there's anything in this particular. But no, that's interesting that you had a section. So yeah, I mean, we wrestle. We definitely wrestle with what we're going to say because it's a big responsibility because people listen. <laughs> what well, is And, and um, you know, so I mean, this is probably a broader conversation and a longer, maybe even a separate podcast at some point. But it's it's a balancing act between um, saying what, uh, what you really feel convicted to say, but also saying it in a way that people can hear mm-hmm. and that uh, that doesn't chase people away from the engagement, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's the opposite of the point. Yeah. But then you don't want to not say some stuff you should. So, I, you know, I, I think it's um, like peeking behind the curtain. I think that's a, that is a weekly conversation that preachers have in their head. Yeah. Unless you're just doing straight, like, sermons about grace or whatever. You know what I mean? There are yeah. some sermons that are no-brainers. Pentecost is always Pentecost. And yeah. Thanksgiving's easy. Gratitude's easy. But anytime you get uh, into any, any of these scriptures that would step on anybody's toes mm-hmm. of any persuasion, because um, it, it, it seems like these days everything's controversial to somebody, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a high honor and calling, I think, to preach. It's also... Um, tremendous responsibility and so this whole first chapter of luke is just so rich with so many directions you could go and so many things that the holy spirit is trying to say through the text um that you could open a whole lot of doors Mm -hmm. that just don't want to close any (laughs) (laughs) yeah well it was a a great sermon i mean this this time of the year it's just it's a blast. Yeah. Thanks. I think <laughs> appreciate saying so. And I thought the anthem was pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That whole, like the way, the way Jason set it up. Yeah. With the strings. Oh like yeah. When, when he talked about the, the pulsing of the strings, some people were take to um, reflect the beating of Mary's heart. Yeah. As she was kind of absorbing the responsibility she had. Yeah. That was really, really good. It was good really stuff. good. All right, what do we have coming up? All right, so next week we are going to we, – we actually read most of the first chapter of Luke. If we would have had four weeks, we would have read the whole chapter, first chapter. But we're doing uh, – so the birth of John the Baptist and Zechariah's 
response to his birth in just one of the most, I mean, this whole chapter is so great. So, um, one of my favorites. Yeah. We're nine days from Christmas Eve, which is super exciting. <laughs> and so, uh, you're listening to this, uh, some number of days before Christmas <laughs> Eve, but no more than nine. So our, just to remind you of our Christmas Eve schedule, we have five services on Christmas Eve, 11 AM. That's modern in the, in Underwood Hall. Underwood and, Hall. Um, Stephanie's preaching that. Mm-hmm. We have a 4 p.m. Fam- we call it a family service, mm-hmm. but it's really kind of for kiddos. Yeah, I mean, younger y- kids. Younger kiddos. Mm-hmm. Meredith's going to lead that, and I'll be there with her. Mm-hmm. Then 6.30 p.m. is an orchestra and mm-hmm. choir. Reagan and I will be there. I'm preaching that one. 9 p.m., Reagan's preaching. Mm-hmm. Candlelight communion. Yes. Actually, mm-hmm. I'll come back to the candlelight yeah. thing in a minute. And then 11 p.m. is a communion service. Stephanie's preaching again. She's mm-hmm. got the bookends this year. Um, in the sanctuary with the youth choir. And at all five of those services, we do have the beloved tradition with, with Silent Night and the candles. Candles all the way around. All the way. So many <laughs> candles. Now, Sunday the 26th, mm-hmm. also a special schedule. Mm-hmm. Only two services on campus. One in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. 10 a.m. Only at 10. Kind of like on Don's celebration Sunday. And then 11 a.m. in Underwood Hall for Modern. So... Make a note of all that. We'll remind you next week. I appreciate you being with us, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of Off Script. God bless you. Happy Advent. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off Script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.